We're going to talk microplastics now, those tiny plastic particles. They are absolutely everywhere on Earth. Scientists have detected microplastics from river deep to mountain high. But now for the first time, researchers in Holland have found microplastics in human blood. A study in the Netherlands that was published in the journal Environmental International, Environment International rather, researchers found plastic in the blood or microplastics in the blood of 17 of the 22 participants, 77%. Now that's a very small sample. We don't know where they were exposed but it could have big implications. The study's author says, quote, our study is the first indication that we have polymer particles in our blood. It's a breakthrough result. That's Dick Vithak, an, ex- ex- an ecotoxicologist at uh, a university in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam. He says we have to extend the research and increase the sample sizes and the number of polymers assessed. Now, we know that microplastics are everywhere because scientists are finding them everywhere. What we don't know is if they're harmful to us. So joining me now to discuss the research and what it could signify is Juan Jose Alava. He is an exotoxicologist and the founder and principal investigator of the Ocean Pollution Research, the Ocean Pollution Research Unit at the Institute for Oceans and Fisheries at the University of British Columbia. Thanks so much for being here tonight. I appreciate it, Juan. Juan Jose. Uh, thank you, Ben. Thank you for the opportunity and the invitation to contribute to these uh, new findings. And as you said, this is uh, something that is kind of striking for probably the, the population of the, of the world. And, uh, and it's important because it demonstrates that basically this tiny plastic particle can basically trespass or permeate through membranes, right? Um, we need to be aware that humans are exposed to different kinds of fibers in at work or uh, in the environment, con- environmental conditions. And it can be through inhalation, through ingestion, even dermal contact, depending on the size of the particle. So one of the, <clears throat> the aspects that you mentioned in your summary is basically, indeed, it's a small sample size, but yet the prevalence is important because from the 22 uh, volunteers that basically donate blood for this study, 17, basically, uh, uh, in 17 of them were, were, were detected this particle. That's 72, more than 72%. And the implications are important because it demonstrates that uh, particles can get, be inhalated or ingested and can be basically uh, transferred to the bloodstream, which is of particular concern because the bloodstream basically irrigates the human body and many important tissues and organs. And depending on the size and the shape of the plastic particle plus the associated additive or chemical, then we can talk about the kind of toxicity, right? And remember uh, uh, ecotoxicological principle using human toxicology or pharmacology or wildlife toxicology is that the dose makes the poison. So we don't know yet what is the dose or the concentration or basically the amount of this plastic tiny plastic particle that can produce harm or can produce a mode of toxic action or inflict a kind of or, or hazard effect in, in the human body at, at right. the tissue, at the cellular, tissular or organ level. So the, the, the uh-huh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, because I, I know we've been researching this a long time, potential harms of microplastics. Yes. I mean, we've been reading about it. I know most of those studies are sort of in your main area of study, which is marine life, right? Yes, basically most of the weather evidence is based in marine organisms. And also there are uh, some studies doing 
research, experimental research with rodents, um, mouse or rat. They are mammalian models that are used basically to test whether a given pollutant is toxic. In this case, there is some research on microplastic, and there is some uh, impact at the physiological, uh, also uh, at the reproductive level, that demonstrate that basically this microplastic can cause some harm. And also that depends on the size. And uh, as I mentioned, at the shape, you have, for example, a shape of microplastic that is sharp or can cause some injury or can cause some inflammation, then our immune system will react against that kind of inflammation. And then we can find some infection, secondary infection for other bacteria. So, and that's important when we think about that this is particles around 700 nanometers that were detected in this study, they can go through several kinds of tissues. And that's also important because depending on the definition of nanoparticle, uh, we might say, okay, this 700 nanometer fall under the definition of nanoparticles that for some researcher or some, or some communities say that it's from one nanometer to one dozen nanometer. But in other kind of school say that it's from one nanometer to 100 nanometer. So depending right. on the definition of range of nanoparticles or nanoparticle, nanoplastic particles, then we can define whether these are really nanoplastic or not. Usually right. the last definition is between one nanometer to one dozen nanometer. In that case, then the dimension that they detected here, 700 nanometer, fall under the category of nanoparticles. Uh, but so nanoparticles, not, not microparticles. Right, I get you. Yeah, but, um, but, but yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I, I think one of the things that comes up, and this has been mentioned in other in other articles about this, is that, of course, you know, we eat sand, we eat dust, we inhale all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, stuff. Yes. Um, so, and and we found microplastics, I gather, literally everywhere now. They're everywhere. The top of Everest, bottom of the ocean. Um, so how concerned, I mean, how important do you think this discovery of, of nanoplastics in human blood really is? Well, it, it really say that uh, we are living in an age of plastic at such point that some researchers call the plasticine. So the plasticine is called the age of plastic in, in the Anthropocene because it's basically a marker of our ecological footprint in terms of the plastic consumption and production. And that is of concern because the more consumption of plastic, there is more supply. And that means that we will be eternally connected to plastic. Um, the polymer, the kind of polymer are, are also important to consider because some of these polymer, basically most polymer are coming from pe the petrochemical industry. So if we think about how we can start mitigating the problem of microplastic pollution or large plastic pollution in the ocean, for example, there are like more than 5.25 trillion pieces of particle floating in the ocean. That's huge. And that's only in the surface. If we go onto the bottom of the ocean, it's probably to two particle or pieces of particle per square meter. That's a lot of plastic. So we have hotspots in the world. And the trophic transfer of, of, of this micro microplastic or nanoplastic is, is evident, right? So it, it's a problem. And it's part also of a much bigger problem in terms of the other kind of pollution that we have in the ocean and plus uh, climate change that exacerbate the bioaccumulation and biomagnification of pollutants in food webs. So it's, right. it's basically a, pro a problem in terms of persistence 
by accumulative nature and also toxicity. We, we call right. this the so let me, I'll, I'll just stop you a quick second. I'll, I'll just bring you back one second just so we don't lose our audience too much here in the science. Okay. So I mean, yeah, at sure. the end of the day, what we're talking about here is, 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 is tiny, tiny particles of plastic that are everywhere around us. They've now yes. been found in human blood. I guess what it really boils down to is we don't know how prevalent it is, and we don't know really how dangerous it is, so we should really study it. But we've oh, arrived yeah. at a point now where we've started to identify the fact that in the plasticine, as you call it, um, human blood is now also carrying evidence of these tiny particles of plastic, and we just don't really know what that means. We do know a bit more about what it means for the ocean, right? Yes, that's that's correct. And more research needs to be done at the human, at the public health level, to see the, the, the mode of toxic action of these uh, nanoparticle or microplastic that are being found in the bloodstream. Remember that uh, there was also a previous study last year that microplastic were also uh, detected in the human placenta. So it can also have implication to the maternal transfer, right? If that was found in placenta, it means there can be some transfer from mother to the fetus or to the babies. So that's that's right. that's very important to to to, to to consider as well. Right. I mean, one of the stats I saw that was interesting is we produce almost 400 million tons of plastic each year already. So, you know, and it's certain, I guess, different scientists have said it's certain there's a level of, of, exposure, of exposure in all species at this point. So where do we go from here then? If you're, if you're, uh, if you're, you're obviously, you're an, you're an exotoxicologist as well. Uh, where do you take this, this finding here of, of, uh, of these nanoparticles of, of plastic in human blood? Where do you go next to figure out what the what at least what the causes and what the harms may be if there are any harms well i think one of the first things that we need to think about is the prevention the prevention and our way and how we consume the products um, and that need to be is pretty much related to single-use plastics, right? Um, plastic bottles because if you see this study polyethylene therathalate is basically the plastic made that made a plastic bottle so I think we need to change our behavior, changing from uh, plastic construction to a more uh, cleaner, sustainable product other than plastic. And also you find right. that there is polyethylene and other kind of poly polymer like styrene. So that's of, that's of concern. So I, I think the, 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 field, the first rule of thumb is to basically changing our behavioral construction of, of plastic to avoid the ingestion of plastic uh, in human or the inhalation of plastic. Uh, we still need to know more about the toxicity, but I think we should focus on the precautionary approach. And the precautionary approach say that we don't have to wait until all the harm is done or bad thing happen to take action to prevent, to avoid or mitigate the harmful impact of substances, right? And that's a principle also in pharmacology. So it's important to keep in mind that uh, uh, prevention is better than cure, and as long as we are depending on a plastic economy, we will be consuming a lot of plastic. At least there is some step here in Canada to basically eliminate single-use plastic and plastic bags, uh, single-use uh, pack packaging, you know, all these uh, stereo phones that are used for packing food. So if we can eliminate that, we can start really talking about to, to prevent exposure to to plastics uh, uh, with, with implication for public health, basically. Juan Jose Alaba, thank you so much for your time and your insight tonight. This is a fascinating subject. I'm sure we'll be seeing more research into this in the years ahead. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much.